Welcome to the Turkey Hunter Podcast, the original all-turkey, all-the-time podcast with your co-hosts Andy Galliano and Cameron Weddington. In our weekly podcast, we're going to bring you some wild turkey calling tips like this. From there, we're going to go into, she's aggravated, there's another hen that's challenged her, or she's challenging another hen, she's going to cut an excited yelp. Advice from old pro turkey hunters like this. The turkeys typically don't like, I think, more times than not, to travel in an easterly direction into the sun first thing in the morning, especially after he gets up. It's a blinding thing. It, it, it's just like you. It's hard for you to see into the sun. Mm-hmm. So if I have a choice, I'm going to try to make it so that I'm going to be on the west side in the morning east side in the afternoon of a turkey exciting live hunts like this holy crap they're coming teach you how to cook your bird with advice such as this with some fresh rosemary and garlic and then cool that off and spread that along the inside of that butterflied turkey breast that we've seasoned on both sides wildlife management tips for your property especially with turkeys like this if you look at the type of habitats that turkeys need for nesting and brooding that tends to be habitat that can be managed more successfully with growing season fire than with dormant season fire. And hopefully along the way, we'll get plenty of these. Well, on November the 28th of 1953, I was attached when I popped out of my mom and the baby doctor spanked me on the bottom. I went, oh, and I've been doing it ever since. <laughs> I like that. Thank you for tuning in, and now, for this week's show. Hello, and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode number 297, Mentored Hunts with Travis Sumner. And I am your co-host, and the guy who is working on wearing out a diaphragm call this summer. Mm. And I'm your co-host, and the guy who's spending most of his retirement on books still. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Very quickly, do you care to share any of your recent purchases with us? Yes. I have one I'm really excited about. Actually, both of them I'm very excited about, but... I just got Bob Clark's Cure for Wild Turkey Fever signed and in good condition Mm. for 25 bucks from a library up in New Hampshire, I think is where it is. Don't ask me how I found it. It was in the dark web, I'm pretty sure. But I found it, bought it, and it actually came in. I was kind of skeptical because I had no confirmation, but Mm -hmm. I got it. So I think that was a great buy. I think it should sell for a lot more than that. Not that I'm going to sell it, but I'm pretty sure I got that really cheap. And then 
from one of our faithful listeners, I have an order in for Tall Timber Gabriels, which mm-hmm. is supposed to be quite the rarity these days. And I've sent the money, and he's supposedly sent the book, and I'm supposed to be getting it next week sometime. So I'm pretty excited about that. Very nice. Yeah, so I got. I just really hope my wife does not go in my turkey room because she might wonder why there's a giant stack of books in the corner. Yeah. And, and wonder how much that could have possibly cost. But, you know, well, it's not turkey season, so. <laughs> they're not adult magazines, so I don't think she's going to raise too much cane about it. Yeah, but they can be kind of pricey. <laughs> Only if you tell her. That's right. I got them all for $10, but yeah. what's your what's your goal with the diaphragm call? Do you have a, a current sound you're working on right now that you're wanting to perfect? Uh, yeah, you know, I still have difficulty with the purr, and mm-hmm. so I'm working on purring. I don't want to purr with my using my tongue. I don't want to purr using my lips, motorboating. And so I'm working on the purr. It's something that I have always struggled with. And my goal is sometime in the near future to have it. Oh, you'll get it. Near perfected. Throw that thing in your car and every time you're driving and calling, you'll get it. So do you have any tips on what you did to get your purr to sound so good? Well, see... I tried forever to gurgle, you know, the back of the throat, you know, purr. I can't do it. So my purr that I do is a kind of a combo tongue and lips. They all kind of vibrate together. Hmm. And uh, so the ultimate motorboat. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's how I get my purr. And I don't know, you know, I think my purr definitely sounds good enough. I, I would say it's one of my weaker calls, but I think it is good enough. I've heard plenty in the turkey woods and haven't run any off that I know of with it. So Yeah, well, and that's the thing. You know, there's not, it doesn't have to be perfect in the woods, and we all know that. You know, I want it to sound a certain way just for me and yeah. for no other reason. And, and you get that, and 90% of the people listening to the show get that. As far as is what I do good enough to work for a gobbler? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And I don't know why. I just, I can gurgle my throat easily with nothing in my mouth. I just can't get it to happen when I put the call in. Because that is that what you're trying to do is, is yes. the, make the air in the back of the throat, you know, yeah. rather than the... But yeah. And my I, issue I can, with doing my lips or my tongue is air control. Yeah. Yeah, it the purr is probably one of the harder calls to perfect, in my opinion. I think that mm-hmm. is a safe assumption. I mean, it, yeah, I would say it's pretty easy to make a purr-like sound, but it's very hard to master the purr. Yeah, on a diaphragm, and I can do it well enough without a call. Period. And I'm sure most everybody listening to this show, if they tried it, could do the same. You know, there's really not that hard of a sound to make natural voice or, you know, by doing the motorboat with your lips or your tongue. It's just, you know, what else am I going to practice? You got to be doing something turkey related. I mean, come on. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So anyway, that's what I've been working on. Hopefully I'll get a little bit better at it here sometime soon. And, you know, I can come on the show and demo it. Yeah, bring it on. It'd be interesting to hear 
you do your old style purr with the tongue and then swap into your gurgling style and see what, you know, mm-hmm. how big of a difference did it make kind of thing. That'd be interesting to hear. Yeah. Well, the good news is I've got 254 days, 12 hours, 5 minutes, and 41 seconds before I need to master the purr with the diaphragm call before spring turkey season in Alabama starts. Well, if you fail to master it by then, then you should probably attempt to master it before 268 days, 11 hours, and 43 minutes, because that's when we're opening up here in Tennessee. Oh, okay. (laughs) Very good. Yeah. So we still got a while, but time's ticking off all the time. We're getting closer. It is. And for me, the way work is going, I have a feeling I'm going to wake up here in about a week and it's going to be turkey season. Yeah. Well, if you're going to try some archery fall turkey hunting, you could be hunting in less than 60 days is all I'm saying. Yeah. That would mean I'd need to travel and get a bow. Yes. I have a crossbow if you'd like to borrow it. Well, I probably would need to try it with a crossbow because I am so good with a compound bow that i just had to quit bow hunting altogether it's an unfair advantage you have it it really is you're you're handicapping yourself with a shotgun is what you're saying exactly i'm an exceptional shot with a compound bow that is you know that's that's good of you man i mean you would have tagged out all five birds first week last year with the compound bow. So it's good that you handicap yourself with the shotgun. I think it's good. Well, it's only fair to all the other hunters. <laughs> Robin Hood himself. So, mm-hmm. But yeah, for real. I'm, I'm going to try to stick one with the old stick bow this year. We'll see how it goes. I hope it works. Me too. I'd like to bring a gobbler home for fall. Yes, sir. So well, today we have a pretty neat interview This is with Travis Sumner, who's with the NWTF, and we're going to talk about mentored hunts. And we're going to really deep dive into mentored hunts. And so I know, you know, we've talked about this numerous times, but you were not at the NWTF convention, and so you missed this interview, but you were fortunate enough to get to edit the interview. Yeah, I got the really fun part of it. Yeah. (laughs) But, you know, these hunts have interested me for a while because, you know, I'm interested in teaching others the sport of hunting. And I think it's something that as we, most of us, as we get older, it's, you know, it's a tradition, a passion, a hobby, a pastime that we would like to pass down to others whether that's our children, our nieces and nephews, co-workers, fellow churchgoers, neighbors, whoever it happens to be, you know, we want to share and give to other people all of the great things that we have gotten and learned from the outdoors. And these mentored hunts are a great way to do that. And so I was interested in getting Travis to sit down with me at the NWTF convention and really deep dive into these mentored hunts because there is so much to them to putting one on and having it be a successful event that you can't really cover it in an hour and he did a seminar on mentored hunts but I wanted him to come and sit down with me and really get into the down and dirty of these hunts and how to organize one 
What yeah. do you do about insurance? Where do you find land to hunt, to put these hunts on? Where do you get your gear from? All of these types of things. And so we've got that today. This, to me, is a very timely interview for us to air because without it being hunting season, now's a great time to be laying the groundwork for some type of mentored hunt this fall, winter, or spring. Yeah. And so... And these aren't limited to just turkey, as as you may hear in the interview, but, I mean, squirrel hunting, dove hunting, those are great ways to introduce people to the outdoors. Those are very good ways to get people in the woods or in a field let them experience shooting taking a life that kind of thing in a pretty easy fun way so yeah and and i would even venture to say that those are probably better types of mentored hunts to put on because it gives you a chance to interact with your mentee it you know and, and for whatever reason It's interesting to me in talking to people who don't hunt, who say to me, well, so you turkey hunt and you deer hunt, you know, I think I could kill a turkey, but I could never kill a deer. Well, why is that? Well, because they're so cute and, you know, they're so pretty to look at and a turkey's just a bird. Uh, I mean, of course, I'm not going to say this to their faces, but what? Yeah. (laughs) It's still an animal. You're still taking a life. But yeah. if you view the life of that animal as being lesser than a deer or any other type of animal, then, okay, I get that. Now, I, I, I should say I don't get it until you get to the point to where you're talking about killing a deer versus killing a human being. You know, yes, we're both still animals, but all right, we've crossed the line there. So, yeah, uh, yeah that, that definitely would cross the line. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, it's funny to me to hear people say that. But yeah, a dove or a squirrel, I just don't think you're going to get the reaction out of people that you would get if you'd take them out on a deer hunt and a deer was the first animal that they had ever killed. Yeah, I think it's a good way to ease people into it, honestly, because, I mean, a deer is kind of a, I don't know, they're very, like, beautiful creature just like a turkey in my opinion but they're just that that's more of a big moment i feel like when you kill your first deer than shooting a squirrel out of the treetop you know Mm -hmm. it's almost more personal and but now that i'm a seasoned veteran i view deer as two backstraps bunch of ham meat i mean i literally just see steaks when they walk out whereas a turkey i just have so much respect for him so i'm the opposite of who these people are you're describing yeah but i do think shooting a dove or a squirrel that can be you know a deer if you shoot it and it you know you spine it or something on your first shot that could be very traumatizing for your outdoor career from that point on you know what i mean yes Uh, i I really think those those kind of sports deer you know squirrel and dove and you know maybe even a pin quail hunt or something like that something real lighthearted where there's a lot of camaraderie a lot of fun being had there's hopefully multiple shots like it's just real lighthearted i think that's a great way to introduce people i agree so you want to hop on in here and hear what travis has to tell us yeah let's get in here and listen to this thing and we'll catch you guys on the other side all right see you on the other side Hey guys, I am here with Travis Sumner with NWTF, and I went 
and put your card up. Travis, tell me your title. I'm oh, sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> hey, no. uh, it's a mouthful. It's Hunting Heritage Center and Habitat Manager. Okay. So That is a mouthful. That's a mouthful, and I wear many hats. Uh, I've been with the Federation about five years. Uh, I have a two-fold job, I guess you could say. I manage our property. Uh, we have a hunting heritage center, 707 acres. Uh, there at our national headquarters. Right. And it's broken up into two sections. Of course, our Palmetto Shooting Complex, which is sporting clays, trap and ski, 3D archery. But we have the outdoor education side. So I manage it for wildlife and forestry habitat. We, we do demonstrations out there on how to manage the pro your property if it's a landowner. We host landowner events, have two big ponds. Uh, but the other side is, is what we're going to talk about today is we host our mentored hunts out there, deer hunts, turkey hunts, small game, fishing events. Yeah. So, yep, that's that's the main side. But then the other side of my job is, uh, you know, our mentored hunts, uh, learn to hunt programs, um, and putting those together for us. Okay. Very good. I mean, you know, with the big push now with, with R3, across many different conservation organizations and you know a little bit of help from Uncle Sam to you know what you're doing is extremely important to it the survival is. of the sport. It is and you know people need to understand you know it's um, where we are with hunting and, and, and having hunters out there uh, you know a lot of folks don't do it anymore you know I grew up hunting and, and fishing and the outdoors but again, people need to understand that you know you're, it's conservation first, and then I'm a hunter. Um, and without our hunters, we can't pay for conservation. Um, you know, we need to take care of the resource first. Right. And without hunters that help flip the bill and pay the money to support restoration efforts, habitat work, you know, that's our that's something that was here before we started hunting. So we need to take care of that. Yeah. So it's very important that. We continue that on, and in today's world, uh, folks go a different direction than hunting, and that's part of what the National Wild Turkey Federation and what we're about is to get folks involved and, and make sure they're taking care of the conservation side first and supporting them. Yeah. So, I think, you know, obviously what you're doing is important. These mentored hunts are extremely important because, you know, people who who are curious about hunting it's a great way for them to be able to kind of stick their toe into the water so to speak without investing a bunch of money that's right and buying all the gear that you and I have acquired <laughs> over God knows how many years that's right and you know this it's a very good thing to do with these mentored hunts and I think you know the majority of the listeners already know the importance of, of putting these types of hunts on but man there's like for me i'd be interested in in you know working with our local chapter and one of the local chapters in the birmingham area to put one on but i look at it and think good gosh this is a mountain to climb this there's right. there's a lot to putting a hunt, hunt on. on like this so where i guess kind of where would somebody start in right getting one of these hunts put together i you you mentioned you know putting your toe in the water for the first time i think for a lot of people what they get nervous about is you know can i do this it, it yeah. is it a, a a big on taking for me to do and put on a hunt you know first of all i would tell every you know that what you need to do is okay 
what kind of hunt do we want to do first uh, and, and planning. And you want to plan this, of course, you know, way in advance. Um, look at the resources you have. Can we hunt deer? Are we going to go squirrel hunting? Are we going to duck hunt? Are we going to deer hunt? Are we going to turkey hunt? Right. Um, what land access is. So it, first decide that. And then, hey, if it's, if it's nothing but a squirrel hunt, we say, okay, that's great. And then the next step is is that, okay, what's the group we're going to target? Is it going to be kids? Is it going to be young adults? Is, in particular with R3, we're after that young adult generation. So once you've done that, it's okay, the ball's rolling. Yeah. And, you know, it takes a little bit of determining, you know, once you've got what we're hunting and who we're taking, then we have to look at how big a hunt we want to do. Um, I think if you're starting out, Quality is better than quantity. I've learned that over the years. You know, it, the more numbers, you know, we talk about we got to get a bunch of people out. Well, you can't. You want to make sure, particularly with this R3 movement and trying to retain these hunters, is that you make it fun, make it personable. And if you only got four people, that's great. That's a start. Right. Before you jump to the next level and add on. But I think what determines that is the land availability and what you're going to hunt. Um, you know, once we've got that in motion, it's kind of now, all right, getting the word out, finding your hunters, finding that particular group. Um, I know we, we advertise a lot. Social media is the way to go. That's where yeah. you find a lot of these folks. Yeah. Um, podcasts like today, uh, you know, can get the word out. And then once you've got that, it's really taking it right up to, you know, if it's a, I know a lot of times I tell folks, Dove hunting is a great way. We do a lot of those Absolutely. in the yeah. it's, it's 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 social. Uh, you know, you cook, you have food, you hunt. You know, before after the hunt, that's what the other part of hunting is making sure we're talking about the camaraderie. Right. So any event, even if it's we're talking about hunting, you know, we want to be able to do that. You know, and make sure we've got all that tied up. But then prior to the hunt, we want you know these people never hunted something. I like to do a class, you know, teach them how to you know, learn to. Let's say we get them, uh, they'll come by and you spend a day, uh, a couple of hours in the morning or two, four hours, however long you need, and, and we talk about, okay, we're doing a dove hunt. Well, we talk a little bit about doves. Where are we going to find doves? Uh, if it's deer, we talk about deer. We talk about turkey. We talk about the gear you need. Yeah. You know, before they come. Yeah. Uh, and I think the most important factor is then we start talking about firearm safety safety in the field what you know you're going to be using a firearm and a good point is a lot of times you may have people who have never hunted before never shot a gun and that we see that a lot yeah so you got to put some time in the range you got to take a little bit of time to get them out there get them comfortable get them familiar um, you know I know folks that are deer hunting you talk about other organizations QDMA uh, they do a lot with crossbows they, they you know teaching people how to handle that and I think you've got to get that in play before you even put them in the field to hunt. So we try to, this is kind of a step-by-step -step process. Once we take them through learn to hunt, then we schedule the hunt. But you've got to realize these are new hunters, so we've got to have people who are willing to take a little bit of a time out of their schedule to go out there and teach them. Right. Yeah. The mentor. Yeah. And, you know, we start looking at uh, groups of folks and... I, you know, I'd like to emphasize a little bit, you know, for you and I, we're, we're males and, and a lot of times you may have females in the bunch that may be your younger generation, 
you know, I think the key is to make sure you are putting a mentor that works with their their age or uh, their gender. Uh, if it's a female, they want to, you know they feel comfortable with a female mentor. And believe there's a lot of we have a lot of female hunters. Right, right. So you know that's that kind of first initial process. So we go out. I like to have a workshop with a mentor. You know, you think about your first hunt and who took you. You know, and then I think about mine and you know what they taught me and the safety aspect and respecting the game and you know I one of the things that I emphasize in these learn to hunt processes is that it's an experience it's not about what we're going to harvest what we're going to you know it's not about we're out there to shoot everything on the field but it's yeah. the experience it's because you again and my dad taught me that that's who took me hunting so that's when you're talking to your mentors or, or kind of walking them through the process that's what you want to make sure they're doing with this new hunter. You want to, you know, step by step, uh, make it enjoyable for them. You know, if they miss, you know, you give them a good time. Be patient with them. Don't rush them. Uh, you know, so that's that's the next process prior to a hunt. Once we're to that level, Andy, you know, then it's it's really putting the hunt on itself. You know, whether it's a dove field, you know, we may be six months in advance planting the field. You know, working with a landowner to do that. If it's deer hunting, we may be putting up deer stands. Turkey hunting out there scouting, that's the mentor's place in the beginning. So as we get closer, you know, what we found is if you get a really good group of mentors, they're willing to do anything. You know, I've, I've found in the past few years, and you might can relate to this, is that if you, you know, for their appreciation, I like to have a dinner for them. I found if you feed somebody and give them a hat, they'll do anything for you. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, a lot of truth to that. And it works out great. Uh, so, you know, these guys are out there on the ground. You know, we talk about, hey, you know, the, the first things first, the day we get closer to the hunt, you know, what, how we need to feed these folks. Um, and we, you know, we'll feed them wild game. That's what it's about. Yeah. The, today's new hunter, they're all about nutrition. Right. I'm sure you guys have talked about with other people. And so, you know, we'll, we'll cook up wild game dinners. We'll have all that prior to the hunt and after the hunt. They get an opportunity to, to try uh, any type of wild game, at what they're, mainly what they're pursuing, so they know what to expect. Yeah. And then we roll right on into you know the week of the hunt, you know, getting firearms, ammunition, and then we get out there during our hunt. You know, it, this this is a process. Once we're there to the hunt, um, you know, we're ready to go, and we've got them in the field. And we're out there hunting. Well, you know, somebody may ask about, you know, is there liability issues? Well, if it's a chapter, if it's a group of folks, the great thing, if you register it through NWTF, we're covering the liability. It's an, a registered event, so we've got all that covered. The day of the hunt, you know, we'll spend time in the field. You know, we're right out there. They're letting them experience. And if it's a dove field, they may shoot up two boxes of shells and kill one dove. That's, that's the way I shoot. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Um, <laughs> And then again, it may be, you know, they go deer hunting and we don't see a deer, but they had fun. They saw squirrels, they saw turkeys. Uh, and then once the hunt's done, that's, you know, it's not that hard. It, it, once you kind of get the, the ball rolling, I think the key is to have a good group of guys that will help support you. A, a good NWTF chapter is there to help support it. Um, that's what makes it successful. And that's what'll, uh, and, and then after the hunt, the key for everybody is to make sure 
you're there to support the new hunter or, or take them on another hunt. And, and you know, we don't do just um, a dove hunt. We offer other opportunities to go hunting. But really putting that hunt together, that's, that's what it takes. Now, yeah, it can be get aggravating a little once in a while. You may have people cancel or you don't have enough people to mentor. You know, and I would challenge folks, you know, if you're, you're an, an outdoor enthusiast and you're passionate about making sure hunting heritage continues, um, go to NWTF, we, you know, or go to your local chapter and say, hey, I want to be a mentor and I want to get out there and support these people. And, and we have resources that you can go and it's a workshop, talks about your role, what, you're, what you need to be doing with this new hunter, uh, what, how valuable that position is that you hold down the road as a support for this person after the hunt. They can call you up and ask you questions. You can take them hunting again. So that's a lot of what I do. That's, that, yeah. that's a full scale deal, you know, trying to run a hunt and put it together in a nutshell. So. Yeah. Do you think the the more social type hunts are better hunts for the mentor program? Because you can kind of, and, and I'm not saying you can't talk to someone and kind of coach them along on a deer hunt because you absolutely can. I talk to myself when I'm sitting <laughs> in, the, in the tree stand all the time. I do too. But do you think that those, you know, those dove, dove hunts or squirrel hunts or you know, maybe a rabbit hunt or something like that. It's a little easier to, to do as a mentored hunt, or um, what are It your does. It was something that came up earlier today. We had a, a, a seminar, and that was a question. The same question was asked, is it easier to do a small game first? I think so. Uh, it's really the social aspect of it, the interaction a right. little bit more. You know, sitting in a deer stand, being quiet and not moving, that, for a first-time hunter, that can get quite... Mm-hmm. You know, you're thinking, why am I doing this? Yeah, I think it's great because you can talk, you're moving around, you're not stationary. It's it's easier for them to to kind of be exciting and um, getting to know other people that are there. I would recommend start out small with these small game hunts and then work your way up to the big game. You know, particularly when it comes to the case of what firearm you're going to use. Yeah. You know. Again, you have people that maybe have never shot a high-powered rifle or a center-fire rifle, so then what we've got to do is let's start out small and work our way up. So, yeah, I think that's a great way to start out. Yeah. So, you know, there, there's obviously, you know, I think a little bit of a struggle as to where you talked about, you know, acquiring the land to put these kind of hunts on. I mean, what, where's a good place to start with, with that? You know, the struggles that we see when we, we talk to our volunteers and we talk to our our, court, our three coordinators or, or Save the Hunt coordinator, and the first thing they'll tell you is, we, is finding mentors and finding land access. Yeah. Um, one thing we've been able to build up at uh, NWTF at the headquarters is a landowner program. Um, I've reached out to private landowners who have hunting opportunity there, it could be squirrels, deer, turkey, even offer us up a dove field. I think if you can reach out to those landowners that you know would be willing to offer up, we're not talking about the whole season, a couple times a season to deer hunt or turkey hunt, they're very willing to do that. I think the key to that is you educate them on why you're doing that. Educate them because what R3 is about, why we need to be doing this. You know, I'll have some, well, I don't really want to do, or they want to entertain the youth, that's great. I think that's fine. Um, but if you educate them and they, they see why you're doing this is to ensure 
you know, conservation continues, hunting heritage continues, our traditions of hunting, they're willing to do that. Um, yeah, they're going to ask you, they're going to say, well, you know, my lawyer or my liability insurance, that's always comes up and says, well, you know, I, I can't cover this, but look, if it's an NWTF event registered, we've got it covered. And, and there again, I always reassure a landowner, hey, look, this is just for this hunt. A mentor or myself's not going to come back and say, hey, can we hunt? So it's worked well for us. It's the same thing that comes up. If not with that, partnering or getting with your state or local wildlife agency, DNR, there's public land access everywhere. We've got a huge uh, Jake's turkey hunt coming up uh, into March. Mm -hmm. They're going to be able to hunt on public land and private land. So you need to look into that in your planning stage of your hunt. Uh, if you've got that access, uh, there's no reason that you shouldn't be able to have a successful hunt or a good quality hunt because that's that's key. It's always about land. The other issue is, is getting volunteers or mentors to yeah. do that. Yeah. And I think social media is a good way to reach out to Listen, bring in those, those mentors? It is. All right. That is awesome. All that we have for you guys for the free portion of this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. If you would like to hear the rest of the interview with Travis Sumner, who's going to give all sorts of tips for putting on a successful mentored hunt, then you will need to become a subscriber to the premium content of the Turkey Hunter Podcast, or you can buy just this one single episode. And I'm going to tell you how you can do that. And Cameron is going to tell you how you can become a subscriber and get all of the premium content for the Turkey Hunter podcast. So if you want to listen to just this week's interview, this week's talk with Travis Sumner, then what you'll do is go to our website, which is the turkey hunter podcast.com and look for episode 297 ps that stands for premium single look for that episode click on it and you should see an option to buy just this week's episode for a whopping 99 cents and it will give you a little bit of a taste of what you can get with an annual premium subscription and Cameron's going to tell you how you guys can get that. So for the annual premium subscription, you're going to get not only this episode, next week's episode, and the next 52 episodes, an annual subscription. You'll also get all the premium content from all our past episodes. That's a ton of information. So what you're going to do is text the words turkey hunter, one word, no spaces, to the number 44222. And then Andy is going to send you an email to get you all signed up and ready to go. And that is going to cost you a grand total of the equivalent of 12 McDoubles at McDonald's. $18 a year is going to get you a premium subscription to the Turkey Hunter podcast. This is a deal. You're getting an unbelievable amount of information. Pass up on McDonald's twice this week. You can afford the podcast for a whole year. That's all I'm saying. All of the good stuff of the Turkey Hunter podcast without the fat and the sodium of two McDoubles. That's pretty strong there. Pretty like strong. That. So come on.
join the family. You get a ton of content. It's going to be a lot healthier for you than eating at Mickey D's. So join up, and we will send you that email and look forward to bringing you 52 episodes of great, unbelievable, one of us is hilarious, great content. It's usually Cameron. (laughs) All right. What'd you think about that? Are you motivated now to get out and maybe not necessarily organize a mentored hunt, but help with them? I know you've got some experience with that, with a charity hunt that goes on in your area every year. Yeah, I do a lot of work with Hope Outdoors, which is focused on disabled people of of all kinds and ages. And, but yeah, I mean, I, I could definitely see myself looking into these mentored hunts. I don't, honestly, I don't know of any in my area in Tennessee, but I haven't looked, so this could be something for me to just look up, see where the nearest one would be. I I personally don't know if I have the time or capability to organize a hunt, but I definitely could see myself taking someone on a mentored hunt. I mean, I win the squirrel hunting championship every year, so I think I could mentor them on a good squirrel hunt. That's all I'm saying. Mm Mm-hmm. The championship usually consists of me and like two brothers, so it's exact. It's not exactly a huge honor, but it is in my family. Well, when it's among family, it means a lot. The stakes are higher. Yes, yes. Well, so I can definitely see that. I got a little secret honey hole where if I go in there, I'm coming out with ten squirrels, and it's happening fast. As long as I keep going there, I'm gonna keep winning. Well, I need to bring. A buddy up there who has a squirrel dog, and we can see what we can really get out of there. I literally cannot imagine, because I've never hunted with a dog. I just walk in there, and they're everywhere, man, and and I just shoot 10 of them and head out. I mean, typically, don't even try to really take long shots or anything. I usually get it 11 or 12 shots and rock on. I mean, I, I can't remember the last time I went in there and did not kill a limit. So you like to wait for them to get just right off the end of your feet as your legs are outstretched and head shoot them and throw them in the bag and ease on out? No, not exactly. I shoot him at the top of the tree when he's like halfway through a nice big hickory nut. <laughs> okay. Right. Um, I, I will say this is getting off topic. My dad tore his Achilles tendon one time and bought a squirrel call. It was actually work because he called up a couple squirrels. It was an interesting thing to watch. But Hmm. anyway, I'm going to look into these mentored hunts. I think it could be a good thing. I I am heavily involved with an organization called Hope Outdoors, which we have those in the southeast mostly, if not all of the chapters are in the southeast that partake in taking disabled folks hunting, and we provide all the equipment, you know, sip and puff, shooting mounts, and all kind of things for these people and make it possible for them to get in the woods. So it's along the same lines. It's just a different demographic that we're catering to. So it's definitely something I'm passionate about. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely a good cause. Absolutely. Well, cool. we'll look into it, man, and I think I think it would be a good thing for our listeners to check out in their local area, see if there's one happening, and if you're a skilled dove, squirrel, deer, whatever the hunt is, go volunteer. Yeah, there are a lot of organizations that could use some help with these types of hunts. And like Cameron does, the Hope Outdoors hunt, they can always use volunteers. So definitely keep that in mind. And if you guys have a mind to share 
the outdoors with someone, whether it's putting on a mentored hunt or just being a volunteer for maybe a veterans hunt or something like that, wounded warriors hunt, then by all means, please get involved and do that. You know, it's a great way to give back. And I'm not telling you you guys anything that you don't already know, but it's just, you know, can be very rewarding. Absolutely. So cool, man. So how about a favor for the week? Do you want to ask for one? Yeah, I'll ask our listeners this week as a favor. We've asked this before. I'm asking you again. Share this podcast or actually share your favorite episode that you've ever listened to of the Turkey Hunter podcast. Pick out the one that you, when you think Turkey Hunter podcast, what's the one that comes to mind? Text it to a buddy. One friend. Just send it to one person and see what they think. And that would really help us out. Hopefully it would help your friend out. And you'd get to share something you enjoyed from our podcast. So that's the favorite of the week. Wow. That's pretty strong, Cameron. Just pick one. I mean, the content every week should be the best one you've ever heard. But <laughs> You said your favorite. And so I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, which one would I pick? And of course, I'll never answer that. Yeah, that's a tough on the one. Show, but that's pretty tough. So, if I'm a listener, I think there's probably one that you think of where it's like, I really learned something from that one, or I really was entertained by that one. One should pop into your mind, share it with a buddy. That's all I'm saying. Preferably a buddy who's not already a subscriber. <laughs> yes, indeed. That is a great favor to ask. So, good job with that. Well,. I guess we ought to wrap it on up then. Let's wrap it up. So thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. We know that you have choices. We appreciate you spending your time with us. We hope you have a wonderful week. And we look forward to seeing you again next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe for free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews to help you have a more successful turkey season. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on hunting afternoon birds, how to film your hunt, and the breeding cycle of hens, as well as some guest interviews. Thanks again for listening. We know your time is valuable, and we appreciate you sharing some of it with us. See you next week.